0: to the Austin Seminary Worship Podcast. My name is Eric Wall. I am the Jean Alice Sherman Associate Professor of Sacred Music and the Dean of the Chapel here at Austin Seminary, and we are gathered with some friends to talk informally about worship and a specific worship service here on our campus. So I'll let our friends introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm Taline Manassian, I'm a Midler here at Austin Seminary, and I'm also one of the Chapel Beatles.
2: Hi, Bobby Kate Jones, I am the Zabinden Professor of Pastoral Ministry and Leadership at the Seminary and a retired United Methodist minister, uh, also a graduate of this institution in 1980 and served in um, pastoral leadership for all the years in between then and
3: now. My name is Aiden Diaz. I am a second year senior. Woo-hoo. I'm finally graduating in May and I'm also a second year Chapel Beetle um, in which half of my role also includes technology and all
0: the fun creative things that we do in that space. Great. So today we're going to talk about a specific service that happened here several months ago. But before we get to that, we're going to ask bobby k to share a little bit about her role here as pastor turned professor
2: thanks eric um i guess well i described this to several people yesterday i said teaching now gives me an opportunity that few professionals have i think which is to take all of the good, the bad, and the ugly of 40 years experience in congregational ministry and talk about it, Um, examine it, exegete it, probe it, um, look at it for what can be helpful to the next generation of church leaders. And it's also been very um, therapeutic for myself. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do that.
0: Talene and Aiden, um, you all are students and you work specifically with the chapel program here, but you also um, are absorbing everything uh, that one does in doing a degree. Um, This role that Bobby Kay brings and this this perspective of years of ministry, um, how does that um, shape or influence or uh, assist your work here as students?
1: I really appreciated in our worship class having the perspective of one who had done the kinds of services that we were learning about. Having her come in and say, here are the things you need to be prepared for. Here are all the uncertainties that can happen, the noises that can occur, the emotions you're going to deal with. I don't know that we could get that without someone having those years of practice. So it was really helpful to have someone from the field in the room with
3: us. Yeah, I mean, to echo what Talene just said, just, it, it's kind of like the, the the practicality of things. We can have all these these grand ideas and, you know, what if this and what if that, but when you are actually in a congregational space, um, you learn that there are just certain things you can't do. And I think that's a lot of the things that Bobby Cave kind of reminds us. Um, like, inside the chapel, but also inside the classroom as well. Um, I've had the honor of taking a class with her this semester. And um, even though that particular class is really focused on the person and the person as pastor um, and pastor as pilgrim, like it also kind of reminds me ongoing of like, what what are these practical things I can actually use in ministry? And also that translates to chapel. What are the practical things we can do versus the grand lofty ideas that we come up with in seminary that just don't make sense in a congregational sense.
0: So, yeah. Or, or don't make sense one year and gradually you gradually get there I think part of what you all are saying is that me, that the, um, the kind of the swinging between um, the ideas or the ideals that we are moving towards and what it is in this moment and how how those bridges happen or how those how one travels that I mean Bobby you've been in lots of congregations as a Methodist pastor would you say, um, uh, in the various places you've been, um, is it fair to say that in the various places you've been, um, what you're what's able to happen in worship when you left that congregation is not is maybe very different than when you arrived at that congregation?
2: Yes, and that is a differently true for each place. Yeah. Um, some places, I would say, when I left. Things were pretty much going along the way they were when I got there. Um, and then in others, I was an associate at uh, First Methodist in Austin for over 14 years and several senior pastors. And so the the shape of the changes in worship were a lot, were amazing. Um, over the course of my last three years or last four years, I started a new worship service each year in the chapel space, which had been renovated while we were there. And none of those services would have been possible without that renovation. So in terms of worship, building is a participant. Your room is a participant in the shape and possibility before you.
0: Oh, well, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we don't always think about that, that the, that the, 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 the one of the, um, what, I like that phrase that the building is a participant because we do find that to be true. That um, uh, we all f- and we find that I think to be true here at the seminary. We're sitting right now recording in the liturgy lab in one of the in McMillan the classroom building, but often the ideas that arise there or in a Zoom meeting we get into the chapel itself, and those ideas take a different shape because mm-hmm. we start thinking in terms of the, the nature of the space, the sound in the space, the. Um, uh, the, the, the way voices can be located or the way things can happen. So um, one of the things we're doing today um, is looking back, which we were saying before the recording is not something that we always do in the ongoing um, work of uh, preparing worship and leading worship. It tend, We tend to be uh, full steam ahead and we close the book on one service, and the very next thing that faces us is the one a week from now, or here at the seminary, the one 48 hours from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back uh, isn't something we always do. Um, what is So looking back can be both a really helpful thing, but also a mysterious thing. Um, often I find that if I look back at services to, to ask myself, why did I make certain musical choices? Um, whether that's looking back a month or looking back three years, um, it's tricky to remember why I made those choices. They seemed right at the time. They were obviously um, had some purpose or some um, vitality or some particularity. Um, but that gets a little lost lost in the mist of memory perhaps. Um, talk to us a little bit about that looking well, back
2: yeah I, I, and I think one of the things that um, can be challenging to, uh, to practice in congregations, um, and that we also challenge ourselves here at the seminary is to be uh, attuned and aware of the world around us. We are, not, we are not cloistered. And so a music choice, the words in the prayers of the people, a benediction, those flexible components of worship, I think we are very. I think we have really become very um, intentional about reflecting what's going on right now. And it's sad to say, but there's been a lot going on um, the last few years. And so the hymn choice, that what you play at the end or the beginning, you know, the uh, may have been a a a meeting of the moment. And I, I I think we've gotten really good at that. Whereas you look back at that and you're like, I don't know which terrible thing happened that week that opened the possibility of this hymn
0: or this prayer or this um, language of this confession. Right. Right. Or choice of text even. Right. Right. So the service we're looking back on this week uh, happened uh, in late September here on campus. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we were talking uh, before we began the recording about um, some of the, the, the first choices that we made, including the choice of preaching text, um, in this case from Luke 24, um, an Easter text um, late in ordinary time, so very much out of its liturgical year context. Um, and Bobby Kay, you were saying that you weren't fully remembering how this text versus another text arose.
2: Yes, um, I'm pretty sure that um, because of our theme, because I was on the worship committee at the seminary in the spring, and our conversations about the theme of breaking open, and that theme lived with me all summer, and I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it, how I was going to um, place or utilize the thoughts that were coming. But at some point in the summer, and see, you don't get to do this in the congregation. Think about one sermon for three months. You know, that that doesn't happen. Uh, but but at some point, just the Emmaus Road story and, and the being known And I think even that idea of how important it is to be known was significant in the fall for a variety of reasons.
0: Well, we're going to hear this text. This is Luke 24, 28 to 35, and Talene will read it for us.
1: As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they were told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
2: The breaking of the bread. Yeah. The breaking open. And just that that phrase, I think, was then the anchor for the sermon, um, using the word breaking, and uh, in, informed us as we had our pre-service meeting to talk about all the all the various pieces. And we are going to talk about the hymn, right? Because I was very excited about this hymn,
0: right? So one of the one of the One of the things that often happens in our worship planning is that no two services arise in the same way, which is to say in the same order. We don't start at the top of the page usually and fill in the moments one by one, but we tend to listen to the text as we've just done and then listen to what may be sparking for us or rising up for us. And in this case, uh, Bobby Kay um, had a very specific request related to a hymn.
2: Yes, I you know, believe completely that hymns shape the theology and the the biblical knowledge that congregations have. A a sermon comes and goes, but a hymn, you sing it, and then you sing it again, and then it sticks in your mind, and you sing it to yourself. And so hymns are really... um, Crucial to me that we're singing the good stuff, and in the United Methodist Hymnal, there is a hymn that just takes us right through the Scripture on the Day of Resurrection. I'm not wild about the tune, but we kind of messed with that, um,
0: right? So Bobby K gave us this suggestion, um, which was I, I must say was not a hymn that I knew, um, uh, and. Uh, even though it's right here um, waiting it's for right us in front of the, you, the pews, it's right in, it's right in front of us. Um, and we had some conversation to this point of the tune because one of the things, um, I've made this analogy recently uh, here, one of the things that's always true of a hymn, of course, is that when you pick a hymn for the words, the music comes along for the ride, if you're going to sing it. And as I looked at this from my own perspective, I thought, I don't think I know this tune all that well, what does that say about the possibility of how the congregation will know the tune Mm -hmm. and how this hymn will fit in the conversation with other hymns in the service about which we'll talk uh, in a minute. Um, So this tune uh, goes like this. So it's not a difficult tune, but it, I wondered whether it would be one that would be known and whether we would be able to hold on to these wonderful words if we felt that we were struggling with the tune or do we need to teach it a different way or divide the singing. And then Bobby Kay came up with the idea of not only... Uh, dividing the singing, uh, dividing it to the point of some of the hymn before the sermon and some of the hymn after the sermon, so that we allowed the storytelling parts of the hymn to set the stage for the reading. That, that was fun. Did, which yes. was.
2: Yes, 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 because it really does. It You know, the first three uh, stanzas, or four, just leave us in that Jesus unknown, Jesus, comma unknown, ending of every stanza. And th- so... Th- those first stanzas laid out the
0: beginning of the story. Exactly. It was just the first four stanzas, and we went straight without pause. I sang the mm-hmm. didn't I? Is mm-hmm. that right I sang the stanzas. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of remembering things, uh, I sang the first four stanzas, and we went straight into a reading. So the unfolding of Scripture was both in song and in speech, and the plaintiveness and the poignancy of this tune were things that people— were able to sit with and receive more than to have to work at um, and but what really became um a wonderful moment in the service uh was how we decided to do stanza five and six and I, Bobby, I think this was your idea
2: yes because uh you know the meter 87.87 is you can find that in some other better, more familiar tunes, which I did. And I can't name that tune, but da-da-da-da-da-da, da 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 that one.
0: That's the Welsh tune, Hoverdahl. Yes,
2: yes. And that's often
0: how we identify tunes, you know, the one that goes like this. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So since that fits and is such a more lilting and lifting quality, then I uh, and I, I and I have sung rarely in sermons because I have a choir voice. I don't have a solo voice, and so it's 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 um it's scary making for me to sing by myself into a mic. But I also know because I've experienced it from other people, it's it, it's a moment. You know, it's a it can be a powerful thing that because people aren't expecting it. And you know, a little bit shocking, which can be fine in a worship service. A little bit shocking. So I started singing, and then invited everyone. And the words were printed in the bulletin, and boom, they were there. They
0: were. And it really was kind of a of a magical moment because we didn't give an instruction. We didn't have a. We didn't um, uh, uh, describe it ahead of time. It just emerged. Um, and one of the things. Um, and I'm going to put Aiden on the spot here with a question. Um, simple, because Aiden's in the music in the church class right now. And um, back in September, um, we had not yet gotten to the point in class of practicing song teaching uh, with our, just exactly as Bobby Case is saying, using our own voices to teach. Um, and so, Aiden, I'm just curious, um, having uh, since we. Did this um, since Bobby Caius, preacher, sang and led this hymn back in September. And since then, in our class, you and everybody else took turns teaching songs using your own voice, the same choir voice, the same um, maybe unknown um, experience. Um, g- thinking about graduation or wherever you end up, if you've f- can you imagine winding up in a preaching situation um, and doing the same kind of thing and having a little more comfort with it than you might have even two months ago? More comfort, yes, because I
3: have now done it in class yeah. in front of my peers mm-hmm. in which I was... Who were maybe 10 feet away from you when you were doing it. I mean Yeah, and I'm like very a, up close. I was very terrified yeah. of it. And nothing um, reminds you or at least reminds me quicker that um, singing is not one of my skills than having to stand in front of everyone and doing it by myself because also I'm, I feel like I have a choir voice and can harmonize with others. Um, but now having done it in class and seeing a practical way and how to do it in the worship service, then, you know, I might have the idea to do it or at least have the idea to ask a better singer to do it, right? So, um, but yeah, it's, it's I do... Feel with the sentiment of how terrifying it is, but also how much of a moment it also can be. Even when we had it here in class and we did the song teaching, yeah, each and every one of us taught it differently and had our own style to it. But it was still this very like vulnerable moment that we shared with each of uh, like the six of us in the class. Um, and that's not something that I don't think I could I could ever replicate, nor do I want to. But yeah.
0: It, and it's like, as is true with preaching, it seems to me there's there's vulnerability. I mean, I'm not a preacher, but there's vulnerability probably for preachers every week um, in Mo- preaching,
2: more or less. Yeah. It depends. There are people, and we all have seen these people who who don't appear to be vulnerable. In fact, they maybe they like to sing every Sunday, you know. And um, but when someone who doesn't do it does it. That's when that um, authenticity, immediacy, those characteristics that uh, have a spark happen in a worship service.
0: And it's, um, and into something you just said, I, There, there's a part of, if somebody is preacher or somebody who doesn't usually sing in worship, we're going to lead a song. And, and the beauty of this moment that we are recollecting for you all listening that happened at this service was that it was... Um, when Bobby K sang, it was for the purpose of inviting everybody's voice. And when when those things are done by people, as we say, who don't always do it, there's a kind of unexpectedness and a beauty in that moment. And you use you used the phrase a second ago of um, seeing it as a skill we have or not, which is one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is not so much whether it's a skill we have or it's just simply an experience we haven't done before. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of what makes it so beautiful is that we're not listening to skill, we're not listening to talent, or we're not listening to training, per se. We're simply listening to people, and we're listening to one another's voice. Um,
2: Yeah, because I'm not really going to get better at that,
0: and neither are you, Aiden. (laughs) No, I'm not.
2: So thank you for saying that, Eric, because the the skill is not the singing. Mm. The skill is choosing to add something into your worship service mm-hmm. that is a little risky for you and can be an an opening a breaking open moment in the worship that's the skill mm-hmm. is not your voice but your choice look at that rhyming what is the, happening here right.
0: excellent telling what we're 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 talking about this and um what what is this what are you thinking here what what is this um stirring for you if anything
1: a little bit of anxiety just in hearing someone say take a risk and beautiful things can happen I mean that's essentially what you're saying beautiful things can come out of taking a risk I also remember hearing the anxiety around the lesson that y'all did in your class where people were having to teach a song, but I also heard the joy mm-hmm. afterwards of, yeah. oh, it actually went kind of well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and People were happy. Yes, definitely. So that. I hear that, but that's a hard thing to internalize and actually embrace. Mm-hmm. So it's a good challenge to be reminded of, but I need to be reminded more than once.
2: And that's what we do here in seminary. You know, you, you get to practice that, like they got to practice that. And it will it will reduce by oh maybe four percent your anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> not forty yeah, percent? <laughs> probably not. No, but it will reduce it. It will reduce it.
3: I do remember when Eric and I practiced it. Like there was a lot of reminders that you gave me, and I remember going home and having a conversation with my wife about Eric told me this today, and I was it was it was this this. The statement of confidence and just going for it. And I think for me, I internalized that. So when I got to it, I mean, my voice cracked all over the place, but when I got to it, it wasn't as bad. So I, yeah, yeah, that is the more reminders we get. I think it's that helpful, you know, encouraging word that we get from, from people that really do can help beautify a moment. In that.
0: I, I think, I think that's right. And all those, all those, all the all the um, words of encouragement that we have received from people, or that we give to people, you know, as as you all say, the anxiety. Um, some of us have done what we do in ministry for years and years, and it's not like the anxiety anxiety is present for me in every worship service. And um,
1: it uh, is present for oh, absolutely. you, absolutely.
0: It- yeah, not as much as it maybe used to be, and at different times. But I, I, you know, I, I, my, um. Stomach do
2: you feel it in yeah, your stomach? S- yeah,
0: stomach a little bit or or my my um uh my uh, I you know occasionally my f- my my fingers quiver over the keys or something because there's a because every service is different. Mm-hmm. It's not like um as a um, uh, it, it's not like we just um open and read the same thing so to speak. Even reading it, we could read that Emmaus, te- you could read that Emmaus text in another context mm-hmm. and it would have little if anything to do with what we did in this podcast or this service because the, everything else has shifted and um, um and whether that's anxiety or whether that's a kind of of a fluttering energy or whether that's a um um the kind of multi-level attentiveness to to the room all of that stuff it's it's not always anxiety in the sense of worry it is sometimes mm-hmm. um a, a kind of um i don't even know i not sure what the word is. Well, okay. I, I, you know, I think you used yeah. the
2: word energy a minute ago and I watched a video, I don't know where this um, the presenter was inviting us to replace the word anxiety with energy huh. because mm. they're not 100%, 100%, but you can see how either your fingers fluttering over the keys or that feeling before you step into the pulpit, or even that anticipation that in about two pages you're going to start singing and you're oh it's going to be awful you know that that is that feeling isn't stopping you so in that way it is it's it is energy and energy is a gift of the spirit maybe for us
0: some and something that channels into that with all the risk and all the the worry and all the uncertainty because um, there's the the. And I think to this, so we're recalling this service and we're also recalling a song teaching um, exercise we did in the music class. And I would say, hey, not if this was your feeling, but part of the anxiety coming into doing something like that, or maybe the things we do in worship can be what we build up in our own mind before. And then once we're in the space with the other students or the people in, in mm-hmm. the congregation, that um, that can that, that, be, that can become... A kind of holy surprise because whereas we had built up that everybody was going to critique or evaluate or make us nervous that actually those friends carry us and support us and that there's a there's a there's a community being formed even though even in those little bitty um those little bitty moments which i felt in the class when you are teaching it's like mm-hmm. everybody's all in this together it was kind of wondrous
2: a giant cushion of love and support you know no one's gonna fail and fall <laughs> here today you know we're we're gonna we're jumping, but we're not crashing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw an interview. I, I I heard an interview. Um, a year or so ago, I think it was on Krista Tippett's podcast on Being. It was a Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, mm-hmm. and he was talking about stage fright. I think he was talking about stage fright, and he said you go out and and how he still. I feel like maybe he still said you know he even he deals with that which we would never imagine. But he said he said the thing is. Everybody's with you. He met, meaning the audience, he said they're all with you. He said everybody wants this to be great. Everybody's in it for you know, which is I think true in a congregation too, or true in these classes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, um, and 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 uh, giving ourselves to everybody else in the room in that way um, is is that's what usually um, I can be nervous about accompanying him. As soon as I hear the people singing, my nerves channel into something else because it's it isn't just me which is the big mistake I make so much is, well, it's just all up to me, um, and we realize it isn't. Quickly, let's since we're on this subject of hymns and the weaving of hymns, uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk about the other songs mm-hmm. that happen in relation um, to this particular service because um, in various ways we put them together in relation to to the service and to the text. The other hymn that Bobby Kay um Was um, uh, very firm on, um, and I know this because I kept forgetting, and she kept reminding me. Um, um, So we have multiple hymnals in the chapel, and this one came from the Presbyterian hymnal, "Glory to God." Um, uh, We sometimes know it loosely as "O Christ, surround me." The first line is "God be the love to search and keep me," Mm. and it's a version of the prayer of Saint Patrick, Mm -hmm. and um, and it's a prayer for God's, and specifically for Christ's continued presence. Um, and because uh, that that seemed to fit as a benediction, him and I think that's where you wanted it. Um, uh, having been having Christ, having been made known to the disciples and the story to us in our own communion celebration of the service, um, that the prayer for Christ to surround us going forth seemed an appropriate ending. So we knew a hymn for the beginning of worship, uh, I'm sorry, we knew a hymn for the sermon, the Easter hymn we've talked about, and we knew a hymn for the end. What we didn't know were the hymns, the songs, the musical pieces for the rest of the service. Um, and But it was amazing how quickly those fell into place, um, because we began with "Morning is broken. Um not just because it had the word broken in the title, but but because it had... Kinda. (laughs) That was a nice nice bonus to the hymn, we might say. Um, But we began with that hymn, I think, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it had a freshness and a liveliness that um, balanced some of the other music of the service. Um, And two, because some of the language... um, One of the things you have to be careful about, of course, with hymns or with prayer texts is if you put things in that are arising out of the scripture reading, um you don't, they also need to be, if they come before the scripture reading, meaning if they come before we've actually heard that text, um, then whatever connections they have are good, but they need to work on their own too, because we yeah. can't count count on people having heard the text yet. And in this case, we felt that it did. Uh, these subtle allusions, um, uh, where God's feet pass in the garden. Um, um, the one light that Eden saw play um, were subtle kinds of pre-echos of Jesus walking with the disciples and interpreting the whole history of Scripture. Um, and um, But then we moved, um, and this is a case of, just as we said, the building um, helping to determine things, um, what we find sometimes is that our resources, in this case, help determine things. And knowing that we wanted to do a hymn from uh, one of our hymnals, Santo, 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 which is a Spanish-English bilingual hymnal, um, knowing that the first hymn was booked and the last hymn was booked and the sermon hymn was booked, um, we therefore looked in the hymn books not only for um, what might be possible in those hymn books, but what in those hymn books might converge with moments of liturgy. And thinking about the prayer we usually make before scripture, the prayer for illumination, um, this hymnal, Santo, 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 conveniently has a section called, um, Tu Palabra es Una Lampara, Your Word is a Lamp. And um, wonderful hymns about the reading and the unfolding of scripture. And we found a lovely hymn, Prepare Our Hearts, O God, Preparanos, Señor, um, which the choir led, um, Prepare Our Hearts, O God, to Receive Your Word, and knowing that in the scripture, it's their hearts that were broken open. And in their hearts, they saw Christ, the, the, the evocation of the word heart. Um, and uh, we simply put the choir on the side aisles in our little chapel and mm-hmm. let them uh, sing across one another and across the congregation. Um, and so this short little hymn, a small moment of song um sang it several times so that we could sing spanish and english Um, and that was a case of the moment of liturgy determining the hymn in a way because we needed a prayer for illumination and in this case we decided for it to be sung and then um the last hymn we'll mention is one that came from the african-american heritage hymnal again this was a hymnal we had not yet um had a choice from in this service, but we knew we wanted one. Mm -hmm. And um, I happen to remember a a communion hymn because we thought, well, what can we sing during communion? Looking in the communion section, there's a hymn we did last year, which was new to me last year called, We Remember You, which goes like this. Just a gentle hymn. And the text, as we drink this cup, we worship you. As we eat this bread, we honor you and we offer you our lives. And then the second part, we remember all you've done for us. We remember your covenant with us. We remember and worship you. Now, here's the here's the quiz moment to the three here in the podcast. Why did we pick this hymn, We Remember You, given the particular text of the journey to Emmaus? Or put it this way, here are these disciples journeying. Jesus comes along, and they don't recognize him. And what does Jesus have to do? He begins at the beginning to interpret all the scriptures. So given that, um, what does a hymn that says, we remember you, that makes a claim, why does that fit, that, this service?
1: It's a reminder of who he is and who he's been to us.
0: It's a reminder, exactly, and it's and it's a way of our claiming that reminder by singing. We remember having had this meal because we sang this at the end of the communion, at the end of communion, after everybody had been served, um, and so it's not a hymn that's about this text. You know, we didn't look up Luke twenty four and find this hymn. We looked up communion and found this hymn, and as we thought about this language of memory. Um, as the disciples needed the reminding in the story, mm-hmm. we do too. And the hymn is a prayer. But The hymn becomes a prayer. May we remember and not need to be told quite as much, um, which set us up for the prayer um, of the hymn that Bobby K. had chosen all along, um, O Christ, Surround Me. Um, so that's a circuitous way of putting hymns into worship because we didn't just start with the first hymn and go blow by blow, to but the men, we let them fall into place as... Um, uh, as, as seemed um, natural. Um,
2: and and I, I would say that we, we did in this service what you and, and the Beatles and the faculty are doing in all the services, which is, you know, we have a, we have a set of values, uh, which includes um, lifting something from our various hymnals. So that's something we value. So we know we've got that. And then I think a more interior, perhaps less spoken value is to to have that uh, sense of um, uh, sort of joyful music, reflective music. Uh, music that leads us really inward and music that leads us outward. You know, so just having that flow within the service, and it's not the same flow every time. It isn't like first right. hymn perky, last hymn perky, middle hymn <laughs> loo. You know, I mean, it's but it. But we want all of that, all of those opportunities, emotional opportunities for spiritual connection that happen in music.
0: Yeah, that's a great phrase for to think of. And not just songs, but other moments. But there is a dimension of songs and worship as emo- emotional opportunities, um, and also spiritual opportunities. But emotional opportunity, I sometimes use the word flavor. You know, there are different yeah. flavors to songs that 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 pull together a full arc or a full range. Um, emotional
2: and, opportunity sounds so Methodist that I'll. I think uh, you know whatever.
0: Um, <laughs> Well, two out of the four of us are Methodists here, so that's a good—that's a good phrase. Um, any final thoughts or reflections from any of you? Oh, well,
2: well, I just want to say that um, if it, the one thing that I would have liked to do was, I feel like that last hymn, which I loved, uh, leads itself to gestures, which I was making, but in a in a congregation on a Sunday morning, I would have had us all making the gestures of, oh, Christ, surround me, and, you know, the ears and the, all the things. It's, anyway, it just really led itself to gestures. And if not, and it certainly would not have been just the children's time, you know, but I would have had us all make them.
0: And that's one of the things, of course, that so often happens. You get to the end of the service and oh, if only I had thought of such and such note for next time. And and so services, they plant seeds for the next time we come to those things around. Um, Amen. Um, Talene, Aiden, any final thoughts or things that are? Um,
1: I'm just smiling because. Yes, it's, you are. I am. Are. It, it is such a privilege to watch services come together, and it is such a privilege to then look back at them and be reminded of why we did what we did. It's just a a constant ability to learn and refresh and renew everything that we're doing here. And I'm personally gonna leave here thinking of every building in this space as a big cushion of love and support, Mm -hmm. and just remind myself of that every time I'm not feeling brave or feeling like I can take a risk. That's a beautiful image for me to hold as we continue to do this work.
3: I'm just listening through as well and just also remembering how this kind of came to be like I feel like at this point in the semester you can barely remember what you did yesterday. So like yeah. um, this is just kind of coming back as this nice warmness for me of like, oh this was I remember this service and I remember everything that we were trying to to um, communicate and all the things that we were picking and choosing and how they all just kind of fell together. Um, and also kind of, you know, I guess another call out to the, our music in the church class of, you know, just some of the things that now make more sense, even though this happened before we got to some of the topics in class, Yeah, um, yeah. like in, including like when we talked about, um, Bobby K mentioned 80, 87.87. And like, I know what that means now <laughs> yeah. and how we can switch these certain things out and to give a different feel for like the options that we have and we're not this bound to exactly what is printed right here on these pages. Um, so like for me, it's just all the lessons kind of converging all at once at a, a conversation, you know, how, You know, however long later. And it's just fun and
0: yeah. Yeah. It, it is fun in the deepest and um, uh, there, there's a great, oh, I, I'll bring it to another podcast. There's a great quote by Leonard Bernstein about fun and art. And he uses words like catharsis and energy release and joy and curiosity and that fun is a very deep, rich, well, not a trivial word, but it is fun. So um, we hope. <laughs> and we, we should have some. And y'all. we should have <laughs> we some. We should have some. Uh, <laughs> And um, we hope that you all have had some fun listening to this podcast and we're glad you joined us. Um, Tune in to the next one and um, thank you for being here and thank you all for being here. Um, Thank you, Eric. Thank Thank you. you.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.